Hello and welcome to the uh, lockdown podcast. I think it's number seven. I'm not counting. Uh, but I'm here with Joe Cornish and David Ward. Uh, hello. hello, both of you. Hi. And I think today we're going to chat a little bit about uh, books and in particular the books that both David and Joe have produced. Um, obviously, the, the first books you both produced are uh, First Light and Landscape Within. Would that be right to say? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yes. we'll go first. We're always deciding who's to choose first to speak. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you, Joe, so David can have his think again. Um, how... <laughs> Why do I always need thinking, Tom? No, it's fair, I do, but you know. <laughs> Off the cuff, Joe. Uh, how do you, how did, how did First Light come about? Was it an idea that you had or was it suggested to you? Uh, and how, how did it proceed? It was suggested to me uh, by my great friend, Eddie Ephraims, who uh, I'd known for actually for nearly 20 years before he even asked me uh, to do the book. And it's interesting in some ways because my first... So he didn't rush into it. (laughs) He he didn't. But to be fair to him, he hadn't been uh, a a book uh, consultant uh, for that long. So it wasn't long before he he got this post uh, working... Uh, for uh, it's terrible, isn't it? They're just remembering all Aurum. the different Orum, exactly, uh, for different publishers um, in a consultant in a consulting role, exactly because he could bring in photographers who he knew uh, and knew of uh, in, in that way. So yeah, it was great, unfortunate, uh, and, and also just briefly, Tim, I wanted to say that in when we think of books, um, David and I both did actually do. A number of books, as uh, as as it was working photographers before. Uh, David's giving the two finger, um, <laughs> which I presume means means two books. I'd actually worked on about thirty uh, before I did First Light, uh, uh, and so that was that was actually a main uh, area of operation for me. I was I was a book travel travel book photographer. How, how involved were you in the book production process at that time? Not at all, yeah. and that was the big. That's one of the big differences. I, I mean, I'd learned uh, things about printing from working uh, partly as uh, for, for cards, uh, calendar publishing houses, and so on, and been and, and looked at. Uh, and also, by the time that first light came out, we had a little publishing business uh, locally, and we produced our first couple of calendars. So I I'd been and looked at presses running and learned about CMYK and. And we're still relatively early on uh, of the what I what you could call the print revolution period. So people have got very used to it and familiar with it now. But you know, I I did first light before digital uh, to DTP. I think it's called digital to press was commonplace. So the first. Uh, Proofs and so on we had were very expensive chromalin process and so on. Whereas now, you know, it's very easy to make a digital proof with a um, with an inkjet printer. So all of these things and the the making up of the of the separations was much much more time consuming and difficult than it is today, and much more expensive. And as a result, uh, printers were had more experts. Strangely enough, you may may or may not be surprised to hear this, but one of the things that happened during the 2000s as DTP, digital to print, got going was that printers shed their expertise. So uh, many of their kind of Photoshop and their plate makers, the guys who who had really uh, 
been early doors in in the digital revolution uh, were disposed of because they their expertise became less and less relevant and as a result books got worse for a while as essentially photographers ended up having to do all of the heavy lifting uh, as we still do and i i think that well speaking for myself at any rate i've got more experience with dealing with cmyk that is to say four color separation uh process during that time so i'm now much better at i think at creating the color uh in in a four color space than i would have been uh say 20 years ago if i'd been left left to do it then on my own so all of that is a little bit of background uh onto that and the, and the other point to make and i'd be interested to know what you two think of this is that the book as a form for me is a really really important part of being a photographer i see it as you know if you it's okay it's lovely to do exhibitions and yes you see the highest quality photographic prints in an exhibition the exhibition is a relatively rarefied thing not too many people will see it as a book as a book publishing photographer somebody with their work published you then have a, a, a much larger audience and and the book remains as a kind of semi-permanent record of what you're trying to do what you're trying to say so it's really it's an important part of our kind of creative lives the book yeah so uh i think i feel very fortunate very privileged to have had that opportunity I think you're right about it being um, uh, kind of a, an important thing to do. Uh, the only the only caveat to that is that um, <clears throat> I think Eddie told me once that the average number of sales of uh, a, a photographic portfolio book in the UK was less than a thousand. Yeah. So whilst potentially there's a <laughs> there's a big audience out there, generally speaking, not many people actually get to see the books. Um, but I think the the important thing for me, and I, and I think it was definitely for you as well with First Light, was to set out a sort of uh, working philosophy and to link it to to practice. Um, and and I think that's a that's a very important thing to do. I I kind of think of my two books as uh, uh, as uh, prospectuses, maybe you know that uh, as a, a kind of a idea of what I wanted to be achieving and not necessarily achieving it in the photographs in those books <laughs> so because uh, i think writing both of them you you uh when you write books you uh make concrete the uh fairly nebulous notions that uh, we probably all have about what photography is about what it means to us and and what practice means to us uh and and writing is a way of kind of um setting that down in a in a more reasoned and uh uh and hopefully tightly argued way um do you think that the um books were important in how you developed as a photographer then that of producing them i do yeah yeah yeah, yeah i yeah. think so yeah um well so, i mean to go back to joe's point we we both worked on other people's books for a lot of time before um we did our own so i'd done I don't know how many, uh, 10 or 12 books, maybe not, not as many as Joe, but, um, guidebooks mostly. Um, and like Joe, I'm sure had the similar experiences where you, uh, they use a picture as a double page spread maybe. And they, and they bleed it across a page and a half or something. And they put the gutter in entirely the wrong place in the picture. They crop they, them, <laughs> they crop them or they do appalling, um, separations, and they print it. They print it on carpet rather than nice quality paper. <laughs> and 
all of those things, you know, all of which are very kind of um, uh, demoralizing, but are just part of the everyday thing of being a jobbing photographer. You know, you just don't have control of the process. Uh, and so one good thing about doing a, a book was uh, um, was to have some more control of the process. I still, I'm not being perfectionist as Joe and I are. I'm sure neither of us were have ever been entirely pleased with a book, uh, either in photographic terms or technical terms to do with the printing or or probably to do with the writing either. Um, so I think that's just part of the thing. Um, so my, my to to sort of do the history bit, uh, my two books, um, I did once say to somebody, have you got all of my books? And he said, I think you mean either. <laughs> so there are only two. <laughs> there are only two. <laughs> um, uh, my two books were both also uh, kind of uh, started through uh, Eddie's good um, uh, good services, as it were. Uh, and uh, Joe actually suggested that I get in touch with Eddie not long after um, First Light came out, I think. Uh, and I took, I think, half a dozen framed prints um, to show Eddie, which is like, why would you do it like that? I don't know, but I did. <laughs> um, and um, bizarrely, he offered, he said, yes, 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 we, I, I can see you've got a book in you. Didn't really ask me much in the way of questions about what that book might be, you know. <laughs> might, might have been noughts and crosses or uh, who knows. But um, so, uh, yeah, so I... I got the commission to write Landscape Within. Um, and uh, I think I had about nine months, I think, maybe a year um, before it was due to be delivered. Uh, and typically I wrote it all in the month before the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, David, that's better than Douglas Adams, who would typically wait until the, the, the deadline had rushed past. Yeah. Yes, yes, he loved the whooshing noise. It went as it shot exactly. past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and I, th I think I found the process very difficult in lots of ways. Um, I think Eddie did an absolutely brilliant job of uh, juxtaposing images and working out the layout, um, uh, something that I don't think I, I would be capable of doing. Um, I'm still not happy with quite a lot of the photographs, but then... Uh, I don't, like I said, I don't think you ever would be really. Um, the, certainly, the colour on some of them is a bit odd in retrospect. <laughs> um, uh, but I think it was a, a. I think Landscape Within was a very worthwhile project uh, for me to do, and I think it did probably change uh, the way I worked as a photographer. I mean, that's why I talked about it as a uh, as a prospectus or maybe a manifesto is a better word. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of for you, but yeah. in particular, yes. Yeah, um, because I would then uh, set myself goals for how I would proceed with the next book and then so Landscape Beyond follows on from Landscape Within in, in that way but becomes more personal. Did you did you write all that in one go then, pretty much, or did you have, Landscape did you have some essays or thoughts already? Um, I didn't. Uh, well, some of it sort of springs so that the um, the the order of the chapters is is not as originally written. Um, it's the last two or three chapters are actually were originally the first um, chapters, <laughs> and then Eddie decided that um, they ought to be uh, swapped around for a reason that has never actually made much sense to me. But <laughs> um, uh, 
so the, the, those first couple of chapters sort of spring from my thesis at, at uni because um, I wrote a thesis on the history of landscape photography from 1870 to the present day, I think it was, American landscape photography, I should say. Um, although, bizarrely, at that stage, it never occurred to me that I might become a landscape photographer. Oh, Go yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> Uh, it was just like, I have to pick a topic, you know, <laughs> who knows if I'd written, if, if I'd written about something else, I might not be a landscape photographer. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, and then, um, so there was a lot of sort of 20, 20 ish years of thinking when we were 2004, um, and I graduated in 81. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, 23 years of, of thinking about it. Um, but I didn't actually take any notes prior to sitting down in early January 2004 and writing it. Um, I did a lot of reading. Yeah. Um, and, but I didn't, I didn't write anything prior to that. And I sat down and, uh, 28 or 30 days straight, I wrote it. That's impressive. Yeah. Can, can I just jump in there and say what one of the things I thought was really interesting about what, what David was saying was that, you know, the, uh, 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 perhaps uncertainty about juxtaposing pictures and, and where to put things together. And I, I, I think w one of the things that we, we probably both acknowledge is actually that working with another person in a collaborative role, somebody, uh, a, an editor, designer, and Eddie, Eddie did both, took both those roles is absolutely invaluable. And a fantastic kind of creative partnership too. You know, while that's a, a, a you might say it's a minor role, it's actually really, really helpful to have somebody who brings an objectivity uh, to your work. No, it's the catalyst, isn't it? It is yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. And and that that uh, I I personally feel I learned a huge amount about the value of collaboration, uh, working working with Eddie, um, and he he personally sets a lot of of value by that and loves working with people so i think working alongside others and you know we after all you know as landscape photographers we tend to be rather uh isolated in the field and uh and and you you become very self-reliant and able to do your own thing and able to make your own decisions all the time and actually when you're put in this position looking at at your own work you're too close to it in lots of ways to make those critical judgments about placement and about the kind of dynamic between between the words and the pictures, so that's terrific having somebody who has got that experience um, and and that, and that love of what they do, which is about the book itself as a work of art and trying to make it more than the sum of the parts. Yeah, absolutely agree. I, I mean, also, I mean, Eddie was very good at asking questions, wasn't he? Uh, and um, uh, Landscape Beyond really sprang out of him asking me uh, the question, which I think he asked you as well for First Light, which is the question was, if you had to name the three essential ingredients of a photograph, what, they, what would they be? And I think you said timing, light and composition. Oh, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and I said, uh, oh, what did I say? Uh, mystery, simplicity and beauty. Yeah, so yeah, yours was much more interesting than mine, obviously, David. But, <laughs> but we cover a fair well, amount. Well, I don't know. So you got you got TLC out of yours. Didn't well, you? I did. And, yeah. Uh, so if I go beauty, mis simplicity, and mystery, I get BSM, which isn't quite as good as TLC. <laughs> uh, anyway, TLC is a very good uh, acronym, I think. Well, no, sorry, it's abbreviation. So how did, but, how, yeah. did um, how did you go about putting First Light together? Then was that an idea you already had, or was it? 
Did he have a deadline? I, I actually no. I'm going to give Eddie, Eddie a lot of credit for that. I, I think he had. Uh, we were di- we're just discussing. Uh, I mean, I, I this is probably a little bit invented because I can't remember uh, the exact sequence of events. But um, you know, we were looking at pictures, and I was looking at uh, either or, and and it was his suggestion to say, what about you know having a small one on one page and a big one on the other, so the finished article. And in fact, in, in um, well, you to maybe from if you cast your minds back to first light, it is basically the right hand page is is a kind of if you like a finished picture, and the left hand page is a sort of work in progress. So um, it isn't exactly the same for all of some them. of which I prefer the other way round. So. Yeah, ex- exactly. Because um, <laughs> yes, because you can't actually always make that definite. No, you you can't. Can you? No, you can't. And I, and I I wouldn't disagree. I mean, I, I think that again, you know, you get. I, I look back a lot of my work in the, in the past, as I'm sure we all do, and realise that, well, why did I do it that way? Um, and you realise that, you you know, for me, a lot of my influences remained back then, particularly, still very much working travel photographer and you're still trying to please your publishing client a lot of the time. Uh, whereas in now, I, I feel kind of liberated from that, and I'm much more, in a way, much more selfish. I I, I do my photography for me and my ideas about uh, about pictures that that uh, that I find interesting of of my own, you know, aren't necessarily going to be as quote unquote popular as they might have been back then, uh, but they might have more about them, I would hope, uh, than than they did then. And I, I certainly think if I were to uh, to do a, such a similar a similar project today. The look of the book would actually be quite different, for one thing, even if it, the design was the same, because the color relationships would have changed a great deal, uh, and, and compositions would probably be a little bit more um, challenging as well. I think. I mean, I, I'm interested by that statement that you just made that you feel that you were trying to please the crowd a bit, because you know, because art should never be a. a, a popularity contest should it so uh um i mean i think i think you're denigrating the work that you did to some extent uh, but i i can see uh, the roots for for that um idea um uh and i and i remember a phrase that a, a tutor at college said to me which is that um if uh, if only 60 percent of uh, your audience don't like your pictures you're doing very badly. If five percent like them, you're doing brilliantly. Yeah, I've heard that from another source as well. Yeah, very true. I think. Uh, you know, it's a it's a really interesting area. I mean, I'll just support. Uh, I would defend not defend myself exactly, David, from your your comment because I agree with it. Um, but I think something like Scotland's Mountains. By then, I feel I felt with that book that I'd moved to a place where I was photographing much more, not just for myself, but what I could do at the time, even though it was ostensibly a travel book, it was a book that was photographed to give me joy. And and so the, the pictures are, are predominantly ones that I still love looking at now. And, and I can I can take them in in that way. I, what I'm really interested, though, if we go uh, just rewind a second, is the assertion that almost that pictures have to be kind of unpopular, because uh, I, I think that's a in some ways, um, I do get, I absolutely do get that, but it, I think it's a very wide range. You know, if you look at, you look back in the arts, the history of the arts, you know, m- many of the great artists of, 
of their day were not popular. Like I said, Van Gogh is a good example because uh, I think the only person who bought any of his paintings was his brother Theo. Um, Did he not swap one for rent? Uh, he might have done, uh, <laughs> but but it, he's not necessarily typical. There's a, there's a lot of very popular and successful painters whose work remains. Uh, you know, well, I mean, I, I'm thinking here of people like uh, say Rembrandt. Um, who had an, had an extraordinary life, went through a period of being, you know, immensely popular, very fabulously wealthy and successful, then hit hard times and, you know, rip He upset the wrong people. I understand. Yeah, that, that's right. But, but, mm. but I think, I think it's, the, you know, there's a, it's one of those things where the corollary is not always true, isn't it? So, uh, you, popularity does not necessarily make good art. But good art is not, and good art is not necessarily popular. But those, the corollaries of those things are not always true. Are they? Yeah. So something that is popular can also be good art. Well, you think about it from I, a, a musical so. point of view. You could see, you could see that a lot of critically successful bands can be quite difficult to access. But some of the, some of the classic and most famous bands are the ones that managed to do both, such as the Beatles, who managed to be intellectual and accessible and challenging and yet uh, instant. Um, and I think. I think managing yeah. to do the both is uh, a probably great way of saying, well, you've created art and made people look at it as well. And, yeah. a lot, and, a lot and I think that's that. probably the hardest trick, yeah. isn't it? I yeah. Think, yeah. It's um, uh, so, somebody once said to me, so it's like uh, jazz music or perfect pop. You know, I, I believe in perfect pop. I think you can have music that is really nice and easy to listen to, but also has a great deal of depth. Mm. Um uh, and you can have jazz music that is so difficult to follow that actually very few people want to make the effort. And uh, and so in, in a sense, it, it's uh, needlessly elitist. Yeah, I think at, at that point, I think. Um, so I wasn't uh, I, I wasn't really saying that it had to be unpopular. I was just saying that it's that popularity is not in itself a reason to to believe that a piece is is good. Uh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. No. I think I think we can we can all probably agree with that. So, I'm ask oh my God. ask you about <laughs> what what problems you might have had when you were creating that first book. What what, what was the biggest hurdle or difficulty? Um, David. David, go for yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, for for me, I suppose just finding enough pictures. <laughs> I, mean, I just. Uh, um, I think I ended up with a hundred pictures, I think in landscape within or thereabouts. Uh, and at the time I think I was happy with all of them. Um, but it wasn't a very easy, uh, thing to do. I, uh, I think like you, Joe, with first light, I think first light was all stuff that you already had in stock, wasn't it? Stuff you'd already mostly, stopped. mostly lands landscape within was the same for me. Mm. Um, in fact, landscape within is also the same for me. I, I've never shot to produce a, a book I've always used material I already have um so I think um photographically that was the hardest thing just getting enough material um but by far the hardest thing was writing much much harder than than anything else so I find it very very difficult um to write um probably not aided by the fact that I tried to cram it into a single month <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, well, how disappointing because I, um, I have to agree, but um, but uh, on the other hand, it, I would I would I put it slightly differently in that I actually didn't find it too difficult to write the individual essays. What for me was challenging was getting the concept right, was to come up with a structure uh, 
And I, I don't know if anybody else cares or even notices, but actually of the seven chapters in uh, in First Light, this is actually, gosh, 20 years ago now, so uh, difficult remembering all the details, but uh, I, I wanted to come up with a, a, a series, what, what I felt was a series of interlinked, interweaving ideas um, that... Uh, you know that was easy to access single pages so you could open a single page and find a story that was complete in it in and of itself but at the same time if you kept going you would you would get a coherent narrative from each chapter uh that that kind of explained or expounded upon an idea uh and and then and that it had a kind of a flow through the book as well so that by the final chapter there's a there's a kind of sense of completion, um, and also that at the end of it, that I felt I left my values in in the in the reader's mind. You know what I, I felt was was important, and and actually just on that note, the final chapter is called Friends and Heroes, and um, David actually appears in it. Uh, well, not literally, but um, he's written about. Um, yes. But it. it I- You'll find me squashed between the pages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but it was it was important, like a pressed flower, for me to feel that uh, the the, uh, the the role of others is so important in your life. Uh, I, I had I've been, I'm a huge fan of Galen Roll, uh, and he was his his book Mountain Light has got a big influence on First Light in some ways. But I always took exception to the fact that. He liked to give the impression that he was an original who'd kind of sprung from nowhere with no influences and references. And I, I mean, you know, although he did acknowledge in in that book, you know, the importance his dad played and, and so on. Um, and uh, and I just wanted to sort of change the balance rather. Um, I actually say far from, you know, being an original, I, I don't think I've done much other than to try to absorb lessons I've learned from elsewhere. Um and uh and, and then perhaps try to reform them into my own way of seeing um you know and and so th- although there are seven i think seven individual photographers in that last chapter there are many of course many others those are the those are the, the photographers i wanted to write about at the time uh, and includes That's... you know several people who are, who are my friends so which is really nice but they're also my heroes Sim- there you go so who who came up with the yeah. idea of having think, the two photographs on each page with the the, the miss? That was Eddie, was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just before the before the thought leaves me, which it will do in a, in a fraction of a second. <laughs> I just wanted to say that um uh that the you talk about um originality briefly. You t- touched upon that and said about um uh, your influences and um and working with others and all of that. I mean, it seems to me that the role of a of, of an artist or a creative person is is synthesizing their life experiences yeah uh, and that's includes their friendships as well as their um uh the things that inspire them artistically as well as their politics as well as their loves as well as all of those yeah things so uh that, that really sums up what what being an artist is i think yeah so david in terms of uh your second second book um Yes. How did, how did yes. that come back? Today. Was, was, that, yeah. <laughs> was that meant to be a, a, a sequel from the start? Was it, is it, you, did you think of it as a second two part series? Or? Um, I don't know. I, no, I mean, I, the first book sold 
reasonably well, I think. Um, and Eddie was keen for me to do another one, but I really didn't have uh, an idea for another book. Um, and then I said, as I mentioned earlier, he asked me the question, what would I say were the three key ingredients? Uh, and I said, uh, beauty, mystery and simplicity without even kind of stopping to, to draw breath. So it was obviously something that I subconsciously was, was aware of. Uh, and then I thought, oh, well, yeah, well, no, that's, that's something I could hang a, hang a book around. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> knock it out. Um, yeah. Knock it out. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a lot shorter. It's only, um, 10,000 words, isn't it? Or 12,000 words instead of 45. That's, or something. that's a blog post, that, so, isn't it? Yeah, well, it is. Yeah, well, I wrote it in 10 days. So that's, that's faster than I write an article for you, isn't it? Oh, it's four years, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. So, uh, really down, down to Eddie. I don't think that I thought of it as being a, a, a sequel, but, um, Eddie came up with the titles for both of them. So I suppose it, it seems like a sequel. I mean, I was, uh, I, it's been suggested over the years that, you know, maybe the third book will be called Landscape Without. <laughs> <laughs> or, or landscape behind, or above, or, below. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, landscape below. Yeah, there's, there's obviously a big, a, a big series, possibly there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, if I get into um, uh, spelunking, I could, it could be landscape below, couldn't it? Yeah. Many yeah. positional so, entrance. Yes, many positional. <laughs> <laughs> <Indeed, yeah. laughs> um, so uh, no, I didn't really think of it as a, as a, um, a series, but it, to me. I guess the second book is uh, more personal in nature. The first book is 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 quite uh, quite philosophical, I suppose, and the second book is more personal. I think the writing is is better in the second book as well. I think I um, I became a little less wordy. Somebody did say that um, it, you know, uh, well, so Joe, you were saying that you um, you set out to. Uh, create a book that people could dip into and there'd be a story if they just open yeah um well i i appear to have inadvertently created the uh, cure for insomnia <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that's fair anyway um moving on you your your second well would is the second and third books of scotland's mountains and scotland's coast would that be right joe well, they were for Orem. Uh, and yeah. in fact, that was, yeah, that, that was, and because Eddie was also uh, involved in, in those books. So, uh, they were, yeah, they were next on the list. And I did Scotland's Coast first, actually. Uh, and then, then Scotland's Mountains. And it was funny because at the end of Scotland's Coast, which in a way is a return to my previous life as a travel photographer. And, and yet I was also the author. So there was a clear difference there. Um, I was much more of an artistic book than a normal travel book would be um I, I i'm pretty sure i said to my i said to jenny probably well that's the last time i'll i'll do a book like that because there's so much traveling and and then <laughs> literally later that day i got a call from piers burnett at, at orham and said would you be interested in doing scholars mountains <laughs> and, you know i mean how long do you have to think about that yeah. i mean you know anybody who loves landscape as, as we all do uh, what a wonderful opportunity. So, yes, of course, I had to do that as well. And that's, I'm really glad I did. That's a big effort as well with the amount of travelling involved and, and, and walking up hills. Shouldn't be underestimated. Yes, I mean, that's true. Scotland's coast was, you know, it was still a fair amount of physical exercise, but it was a great deal easier by comparison. There, there was a lot of travelling, though. We went to, right to the far north of of of, of, 
uh, Scotland, obviously, to the Shetlands and Orkney as well, uh, right around the islands, whereas the mountains was a little bit less driving uh, in that respect. But there was a, a great deal more walking uh, because I did set myself the task of at least climbing a number of, of my favourite mountains uh, so that I would get to know them a little bit better and to try to understand them from different heights and depths. And the funny thing is that, you know, I think we, we we all know, you know, from experience on the hill that actually the best pictures of mountains are usually from below. Um, but but at the same time, it's it's such a challenge and uh, and the feeling of um, yeah, just the intimacy with the mountain to get to know it better. I think I think being on it, spending time at different levels, uh, and and you get to know the ecosystems too by seeing how. Uh, how they change at different heights and and that i think it can only do so probably indirectly but it does it does influence your photography and, and teaches you i suppose to to cope with conditions i mean one of the things that was most uh i, I think that really changed me probably more than anything else i've ever done in my life was doing scotland's mountains because i as a photographer because so often when i went the weather was really challenging use the politest term possible there and although i had set myself a, a kind of task of just trying to make one photograph a day which was was good um there were certain days when i couldn't do anything uh but i i found myself starting to really embrace photographing in the rain and in, in snow and strong winds and so on which is no easy task with a five by four camera um and as a result, my I think my visual language started to develop then in a way that I hadn't probably needed to get to when I did Scotland's Coast. So there's a there, there's a huge practical application uh, or benefit, whereas probably in years since I've had more philosophical reasons to think, oh, well, you know, photographing in soft light, overcast conditions, difficult conditions is a good thing to do. Back then I had to do it because... Otherwise, I wouldn't get any photography done. Um, so I then had a, a kind of practical platform to develop that as a, a conceptually as well. And, and does that make sense? It, it does indeed, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and since then, you've done some of your own books, uh, as in uh, been in charge of the production and, and design. How was that experience? Well, I think David probably has more experience of that because you did the the books with Anna, didn't you? Do you remember? Ah, yes, I um, remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that was that was Eddie again, though. Oh, well, <laughs> so that's really. Yeah, there you go. Um, so yes, it was, it was really down to Eddie. No, I think you've you've. Um, I guess you you have. A, are they are some of the rare unsigned versions? Of it, <laughs> isn't it? Have you got the... These these are the rare the rare ones. Oh no, I have taken them out. They're all right. <laughs> <laughs> never been out of the slipcase. Slip yeah. the, the, the these, these books for anyone listening are intimations. Uh, that uh, well, one of them is called Intimations and a booth. And, yeah. uh, and David, is yours Evocations? Trying to remember. Uh, oh, I can't remember. Oh, no, uh, mine's in, Intimations. Intimations as well. Yeah. Form and motion and man and nature. Who's Anna's? Yeah. Ah, there we go. That was the subtitles. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that was that was down to Eddie again. That was to go with the uh, second um, OXO exhibition that uh, Anna and I did. Um, uh, so I think it was the second one. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, he he controlled that 
that whole process um, and helped us depict the pictures, uh, which I think was uh, one of the temptations. I, I don't know if you've experienced this, Joe, but, uh, you know, we have pictures that are beloved uh, and, you know, maybe very strong images that we really like. Um, and it's tempting to always think, oh, well, that, that would go really well in an exhibition or go really well in a um, in a in a book. But quite often those pictures don't because they're too they're too forceful, they're too strident, and they don't fit in with the other images that, that you have. And so going back to your point of having a, a somewhat objective uh, third party, um, Eddie was very good at saying, yeah, no, that's a great image, but I don't think that will quite work with what we're trying to achieve here. So that was that, that editing process, I think, was um, was was key uh, in, in all cases with the books. You didn't sulk at any time, did you, about that? <laughs> um, no, I don't think I did. Uh, I wasn't very keen on some of the colour separations. Um, uh, yeah, I think um, there's a great deal of magenta, which is built into into Velvia. Enough of that already. Yeah. Um, uh, and um, uh, I had remarked to Eddie that the magenta needed to be removed, and he didn't seem to be um, fussed by the magenta. So, uh, so that bothers me. But that's a, you know, a bit, uh, uh, I don't know if he's done the, um, uh, what's the, uh, the color separation thing on the nets? Um, uh, you know, where you have the, you have the, the swatches and you have to put them all. Oh yeah, right, all the, oh, X right, yes. yeah, yeah, X right. Now it'd be interesting to see what um, uh, Eddie's score was on on the X right X right things. If he if he doesn't actually see magenta, I don't well, know. he's a black. Sorry, Eddie, if you're listening to this. He's a... <laughs> He's a wonderful black and white photographer, and I'm not sure if that says anything. But uh, no, I mean, uh, I, it's actually it's interesting how we. I, I think in general we are more sensitive to color issues with our own pictures probably than we would be with others. We tend to be more tolerant, I think, with with other people's pictures. Um, but I think we probably all become more more attuned. I certainly feel I have over the years to color differences because now we have more day-to-day -day control whereas as film photographers shooting transparency we kind of just grew to accept the color pretty much as it was yeah. and, and didn't really think we could do very much about it so you know that that's certainly a big difference and and actually now i think you do have to accept as a photographer it's just become part of the skill set that when you get involved in publishing you have to take ownership of of the process uh, and it's it's tricky because the truth is that printers still like to keep a little bit of mystique around what they do you know that printers as in commercial printers they don't they don't particularly want to help you they want you to be too good at it and they don't want you to tell them what to what to do so really the the more you can learn and the more you can get to the point where you are really really happy when you let go of those files and they go off to the printers, knowing that you covered absolutely everything you can do, understanding the the process as well as you possibly can, and what happens in CMYK. I mean, a lot of it is just knowing how to soft proof well and understanding the the likely differences between a screen image and the uh, and the final output. And you still need to look at 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 proofs, you know, when when they're done and compare them with your own screen and I mean it sounds really boring it sounds like just a question of calibration but it's a little bit more it's a little bit more complicated you also, you also have to be one of the things that I know now you have to be aware of 
uh, is is about the fact that colours run on from image to image, aren't they? So if you have a picture that's very blue and there's a lot of ink on the rollers for that one, then subsequent images in the in the run might also take on a little bit of that hue. There's a that's that's part of the printer's art, isn't it? To know that and you know and how much the ink they put on the rollers makes a big difference as to um as to how it all works, doesn't it? I mean, you'd think that it would all be controlled absolutely scientifically, but that doesn't seem to still be quite the case. It's a damn sight better than it used to be. Yeah. You hardly ever see anything out of register anymore. In fact, I can't remember the last book that I looked at that was out of register, and it used to be such a common thing. It did. Um, and grid sizes are, are much, much better. You know, I think my the... Uh, the early stuff that I did for guidebooks, I think, was one fifty or one seven five or something, and they looked awful. Mm. They looked just, yeah, you know, it's Indivi- you could almost see the dots, individual some, dots. Yeah. Although some of the old Sierra books yeah. had about four hundred DPI grid on them, so they were incredibly good. I mean, they, they must have spent a fortune trying to produce them, and then the reprints were awful. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that happened, didn't it? Because uh, uh, I know a lot of people who've had multiple runs that the quality has been very different between between runs but joe you had to handle all of that for yourself with a number of books didn't you sure uh uh, the ones you did with that um, Uh, there are many many actually i've done uh, four or five books since uh, scotland's mountains um i you know varying degrees of success some printers down down in Middlesbrough, was it? Or something? We yeah. had yes, we, we had two uh, Falcon Press and Studio Print, and bo- uh, sadly, both yeah. uh, both have gone out of business, which is an indication of just how difficult times are in that industry. Uh, but yeah, I've done several several books since. Some of, as I say, some I'm really happy with, and others were were not so successful. But uh, they they they're all learning experiences, and each time you go through that process, you you just find there's another couple of um, of techniques and and understandings that that come. So I've been very fortunate to be able to do do all of that. I mean, you're you're right, David. What you're saying about carryover and things. But most printers, if they unless they're working with a really gigantic press, they can usually juxtapose pages that will work together if they're uh, in in the business and they know what they're doing. Um, yeah, there are there are so many uh, so many considerations. Uh, I mean, the paper is obviously one. You know, working the right kind of paper uh, that uh, and and that's that's often tricky because paper that holds the ink really well will tend to look rather shiny or be at least veering in that direction. Whereas we all kind of tend to naturally like matte papers and the feel that that, that has. So. Uh, so very, you know, the right quality paper is really important, and there's so many, there's so many aspects to to making a book uh, that we take for granted. You know, the binding and and the cover and uh, the finishing. Um, so all, most of that happens without us having to get too involved, but it all counts on, on making a book that actually feels really nice. It's nice to handle, and that's a you know pleasure to look at, and that, and that stands the test of time. So. <laughs> I've, but yeah, I mean, looking back on the recent ones I've done and the ones, uh, I won't go into this in great detail, Tim, because some of them are quite local. We did, I did, did one on rosemary topping, uh, about 10, 10, 12 years ago. Which is a good book. We, that, we, that was quite, I really like that book. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it did, did actually really well. Um, it, it had, I think a print run of 3000 and we sold out in six months. Wow. And, and although it's not happened yet, we, we are thinking about a second edition one day. So, 
not the right moment to probably be thinking about it now. Yeah. But uh, um, yeah, and I did a, a book with Rowley Smith called This Land, which it was I think is a is a really nice concept, but it, it hasn't. It probably for me got a bit compromised by uh, by what difficult to know. Um, I think that I, I I was probably a bit too purist about it. Rowley saw something that was you know quite mainstream popular and i was probably looking for for something that was a bit more arty so maybe we didn't have the perfect meeting of minds but i think it's still quite an interesting book and a useful certainly a very useful book just to get a, a sense of what the british landscape has to offer um but i think you know as 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 time has gone by i keep thinking now i want to do a book with more writing in it oddly enough so you know if i was looking ahead it's strange to think of it because I, like David, find writing quite hard, but it is satisfying. And, you know, ultimately you, you kind of, I mean, doing what we've done, we have done a lot of thinking about photography and how it affects all of us, both as individuals and, you know, it, in the community. Um, and I think inevitably one has a few things to say about that too. Are we going to get another landscape behind anytime soon, David? <laughs> <laughs> I think the very first lockdown po podcast, Joe suggested that's what I ought to be working on. Correct. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, um, I have no plans. No. I mean, I, I, over the years, uh, um, initially with Eddie and then a couple of times since, I've sort of looked at um, uh, at various ideas. I'm, I've not really got any desire to produce a portfolio book, um, you know, a retrospective or whatever. Um, uh to me, the point of doing the book is 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 the the ideas, uh, uh, and so it's it's linking that underlying philosophical philosophical framework with with the photographs, um, and in a way, I feel that I've said at the moment at least everything that I kind of want to say, um, in that respect. Um, Difficult third album, I think. <laughs> the difficult, well, the difficult second Normally album did, actually yeah. was easier than the, yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, the difficult third album, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think I think there's probably lots of um, similarities, isn't yeah. there? But any, anybody who produces um, work over a creative work over a long period has had the same sort of problems, I think. Uh, and I kind of look in awe on people who keep on reinventing themselves and, and struggling to to do that for myself. Um, so. Um, yeah, maybe I'm just too limited. I think that's probably it. Really. Um, so I, I, no, there are no current plans. Who knows? You know, I might come out of lockdown and somebody offers me a million pounds and I say, yes, I'll prostitute myself for that. Is that a bit? <laughs> well, so thank you very much for both of you for chatting about that. And, um, we'll look forward to speaking to you in another week's time. So pleasure. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Goodbye. <laughs>